You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hey, it is Angie with The Good News, and we've got The Good News gals here this week. Cindy is here, Monique and Michelle, and producer Dave back from Disney, his big Disney trip with his family. And uh, a little happy birthday for Dave this week as well. He had a birthday earlier. In Forty. The week. Can't oh, believe yeah. it. Forty. Happy birthday. Forty. He laid it. Michelle are like the same living. age. Are you? What? You're not forty yet. Are, are you? You're not forty. No, not yet. Yeah, not Andre's yet. about well, to turn yeah, but you're forty. Barely, I'm, you're I'm, 44. A, I'm a month older oh. than Andre Davis. And I was like, I was gonna have him. <laughs> well. It's a surprise, but he doesn't listen, so I can say a surprise like fortieth. But really? I don't think he wants that. It's funny because I didn't really? want anything. I wanted to do nothing for my birthday. In fact, yeah. I said that several times, and my wife still threw me a party on set last Saturday. Really? No, he wants a car. I mean, it was a, a nice car. party. My friends came over. <laughs> yeah. He wants a what? A car. Oh, of course he does. He keeps saying that a car. But it was the opposite of what I asked for is what I got. Yeah. That, you didn't want <laughs> that would be heard. me. I'm like, okay, I have to laugh because I, I, you know, Cindy, I'm not a big birthday person. So She's I had not. a birthday about a week ago. And the only person who did anything for me because I didn't want it was Cindy because she remembered and she's like, well, we'll go to lunch, right? Way in the front so, end. I said, so, can I take yes. you to lunch? So she made me this beautiful cross necklace and, you know, gave me that. Aww. And so then when, um, so the kids come home, nothing, which is fine. And then the next day they drew me something because they felt guilty. I'm like, I, that's fine. I don't, so um, uh, Mark and I laughed because on his birthday, I got him a big fire pit. And when he opened the door and it was there, he said, oh, that's what I'm going to do for your birthday. I said, what? He goes, I, what do you mean you're, that's what you're going to do? Well, I'm going to get something that I want and give it to you. Like, no. I'm going to take you fishing in Montana for your birthday. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I forgot about What that. do you mean? And so then I teased him. I go, oh, so I see you gave me what you wanted for your birthday, a card. <laughs> <laughs> I got a card because he's so busy. Which actually, to be honest with you, I seriously, I know it sounds like I care, but I thought it was actually kind of funny we that he totally complained opposite. about you want stuff. So that was fine. So Cindy, Cindy, then, but listen to this. So then uh, some of my girlfriends were like, well, let's go out to to lunch i'm like okay sure we'll go out to lunch for my birthday and i thought well let's just get it over with in like one group like a couple of them right let's get it over with you know so like <laughs> grab the ones that wanted to take me out to lunch and i said okay let's just do it this time on this day and we'll go here right and then they got into this i don't want to go there and that's too far for me and i want to go here and i don't want to go there and so i said i'm gonna can- let's cancel because that's what i wanted anyways not to go out to lunch for my birthday i already yeah. did it with cindy yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was done i was done it was good that was enough cindy spoiled me she always does I felt good. That was good. <laughs> and so, um, but there's this one sweet little friend of ours who's in a lot of pain and she needs surgery and she's like more of a mom to me. Mm-hmm. And she calls me, she goes, let me tell you something right now. It's your birthday and we go where you want to go and I'm not canceling. So where do you want to go? And her. I was like, wow. I mean, that she loves me yeah. like you love me, Cindy. She's yeah. very selfless. And I was like, yeah. oh, and That's so I ended up, I love her so much because I know that she's in pain. So I drove over to, you know, her house like met her in her neck of the woods but was so touched that she wanted to do something for me yeah and i know how much pain she's in you know she's in a lot of pain on top of that yeah yes i know she's special but i thought that was really sweet so anyway um i want to talk you guys because the, the 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 four of us have talked a lot lately about just the world and how hard it is to raise our kids and we've got kids from um we've got kids in elementary school michelle and i do and uh, then the three of us have kids in middle school and high school. And uh, so 
this particular story is so touching to me. You know, we do a lot of work with ARC and kids who are differently abled. And if our kids are facing difficulties, imagine what kids who are differently abled are facing, you know. And so this particular little boy, I think it it was in grade school, he had never had a friend And then um, the mom of the boy with autism, who never had a friend, was asked, oh, do you know about his relationship with this other little boy in his class? And she's like, what? He's never had a friend. No, I don't know about it. And they were raving about their beautiful friendship and that she needed to know, you know, about this wonderful friendship that her autistic son had forged with another boy. Uh, But the beautiful thing about this story is it wasn't kind of like a little sweet, just elementary school friendship that it has gone on to now the honor student and the boy with autism and special ed, their bond didn't end. And they're in high school now where it's not as cool to be friends with a kid who has a lot of special needs. And this popular kid, I'm telling you, if your kid is strong enough to set the tone and turn against the pack and say, we're going to accept this kid who's different, Sometimes there can be a kid, a role model like that, who can really set the tone for the school and let the school know that picking on, bullying, or ostracizing the kid who's different is not going to happen. And sometimes I think it takes, uh, Michelle, like your daughter who's tall, and you said it's not just one kid who treats her differently, it's everyone. I almost feel like it needs to be like the village, like it needs to be a way that there needs to be, like everybody comes into the gym and somebody comes in to talk to everybody and it needs to be like we set the tone for a whole school that we need to pr- provide an environment where everybody feels included, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a couple right. of speakers that do that on a big school setting like that. And um, this kid kind of did it on his own. And when they ask him why he's friends with him, there's only one reason, because he likes him. Aww. Yes. Can I say something really quick? So yeah. there was a, a fight at school last week, and it's, it was so sad. And my daughter, she was, uh, my oldest daughter, she was telling me about it. And she said, Mama, she said, the girl who was getting beat up, she was asking the other girl, what did I do? What did I do? And she wouldn't fight back. And the girl was just pounding on her. And she was like, Mama, I really wanted to help the girl. She said, but at their school, they have a rule that even if Alicia would have got in and tried to help the girl, they would have suspended her as well. Oh, boy. And I think I think that's just wrong. That Kids like this story are not able, they're afraid to stick up for other kids who are being bullied because they are somehow drug into it and they, they'll get punished just like the kid who's doing the bullying because then they become a part of the fight. And so Alicia said that her counselor came up to her and she was like, what happened? And Alicia was like, she told her what happened. She said, and I wanted to jump in and help the girl who was getting beat up. She said, but I knew that I would have gotten in trouble as well. And the counselor just said, I understand. She wasn't like, oh, no, you wouldn't have gotten in trouble. She said, I understand, which means you're right. You would have gotten in trouble. And I think that's just sad. That that's sad. Yeah, I don't know. I I would want my kids to step in, but I think that in the moment, it's a scary thing, too, to, like, risk having them misjudge your intention and whether or not you are part of the fight. 
and the poor kid that I hope the kid that was suspended that did it. Yes, yeah, she was suspended, but she elite, but the damage had been done. She pounded on this girl's face and all the girl could do was say, what did I do? What did I? And Alicia was like, I couldn't even yell out fight back because I still would have gotten in trouble for saying wow. fight back. That's a tough one because what's happened nowadays, because my boyfriend was telling me about the issue, issues with his daughter being in a similar situation where she saw a fight. Well, nowadays there's so many people who glorify all the fighting and they record it and right, like record it and post shouting it. world star, posting it and everything, but they've made these hard and fast rules to, to make sure that nobody else gets involved in any way and you know it's it's it sounds over the top i get why they they've got some kind of rules because you know it can quickly turn into a riot with a bunch of kids fighting um but that's a shame that you're even it's to the point where you don't feel like you could like split up two people like that yeah like that. because right. when we were in school we could jump in and you know Stop break it. the fight up right right but now you they can't even oh, they the can't even bad? try to break it up was she hurt badly alicia said her face was just all red and it was all messed up because the girl was just pounding her in the face and the the girl was alicia said she was small and the other girl was bigger and she was like, Mama, I just felt so bad. I just. That's horrible to even watch. I mean, that is detrimental to even have yeah. to in watch. one of the top schools, you know, in the Not district. Not to mention what the two. Yeah, because it really took a toll on Alicia when she came home. She was just so, she said, Mama, I couldn't, I couldn't help her. I couldn't do anything. I just felt so helpless. Mm -hmm. And then with the counselors, counselor saying, yeah you made the right decision not to get in that's just like that's crazy <laughs> yeah well, that's, it that's is. crazy to me to, that you like what are you teaching our kids that if you see some if they grow up and see something on the street they're not going to get involved because they may get pulled into the situation and get arrested or and and so many people do that they don't even call the police right well, the thing is, and another thing nowadays, too, is that the kid, I mean, like you saw at Rangeview last week, didn't the kids show up at school with a gun? Um, there's there's so many kids up to no good who have their parents' guns uh, or some kind of weapon, they could end up hurting Alicia mm -hmm. if she were to help. Mm -hmm. It's just a really sad state that we're in that it's that it's come to this. You know, I was in the movies last week and got this text from a girlfriend. She goes girl, what is going on at your kid's school? It makes me like, it makes me so upset that in, in this country, you're terrified to send your kids to school because yeah. they might not come back. And we get those messages that says, they say the school, this is the district. On lockdown. And we're saying that it's on lockdown. I've gotten that lockdown message since we moved back to the States, I think maybe four times. Wow. Yeah, four or five times. And then this it's message scary. from my friend. And then when I... I'm like texting her back furiously, what? like, what's going on? What happened at my kid's school? Thinking, I, and I'm texting Annie, what happened at Lauren's school? What's going on? And I'm looking on, on, on social media, like, did something ha Did somebody shoot up Grandview? It was terrified. She thought my kid went to Rangeview. I'm like, oh, girl, don't range. you ever text? Don't yeah, you ever text me like that? Yeah, you that's call upsetting. me and say yes. this happened at this school. Is your kid right? So you're not you... freaking out thinking there's yeah. a shooting at your kid's school. I yeah. was I was on the plane, 
And so we couldn't get the notifications. But when we landed, everything just started coming through. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? And Andre was like, something happened. Like, people are calling my phone. And so at that time, my friend called me, which is Thinking my business partner. it was your kid's partner. school, too, and it wasn't. And she was watch here making sure the girls was okay. And she was like, she does, she's the hairdresser. She's like, girl, I was about to leave my client in the chair, wet hair. And nobody would answer, but Amber answered and was like, "No, it's not us. It's, it's at a different school." But I, but as a mother, yeah, I'm like, I'm on the plane, and I'm already like, "Okay, God, what? Yes, Lord." But then I'm, I'm in Florida, and then that, I'm like, "Oh my God!" But that was terrifying. I really had to pray because I was like, "I'm not doing this again. I'm not leaving my girls right. in one state and going to another." I know because you never know, what, yeah, what's going to happen. But then God was like, "You can't take care of them better than I can." So then I had to woosaw and just pray and calm myself down. Mm. And every eat time, me every, some fried chicken. I, I just, I've, I've already started to look into like options of homeschooling just so I know. And then I also, um, you know, not just for that reason, but other reasons as well. Just the language and stuff at school. I can tell that it's having an impact on my son who doesn't want to use bad language. And then I'll hear him get mad and say something close to bad language. And I'm like, too close, too close. Like, I get it where you're going with that. And it might be like fudge or something. But I'm like, okay, still too close, too close right. to yeah, bad language. Right. They have the words. Yes. That, that, and now... They sign. They sign. They sign they it. Sign language. Bad sign language. language. Bad language. Oh, so Andre comes home and Alicia says, "My girls are so funny because they'll hold something until the other makes them mad, and then they'll say, oh, yeah, mama.' And guess what she did two weeks ago?' Oh, how funny! They sandbag <laughs> they it, yeah. it up. So the uh, my oldest Alicia, she goes, "Oh yeah, mama," because Andre wouldn't bring her water. Oh yeah, Mama. She a girl talk. Uh, she saw a girl sign language at school, and she asked the girl what it meant. And the girl told her it meant the B word. And she came home and she tried to teach it to me and Amber. And Andre was like, "I didn't try to teach it to you. I was just telling you what she did at school." Oh, that is funny. So they sign. I'm like sign Andre. Language, she's language. like, "Mama, they sign language it now." I'm like, oh. "What?" It's interesting too because um, one my, hope is funny. She's just like uh, this is a no bad language zone around me, and she tells one of her friends, "Please don't use bad language around me." And then she told another friend, "Like, well, aren't you Christian? Why are you using such bad language?" And then she told her, "Well, my my mom, my, my daughter said my mom doesn't want me using bad language." And she goes, "Well, I don't see your mom around. If she's not around. What difference does it make?" And like hope will just tell him, "I don't like it." And Riley says her older brother, "Don't kids won't like you if you tell them that and just be quiet about it, and you don't have to use bad language, but don't." Tell them what they should do, but hope like she's an embarrassed soul. She's like, I just don't want you to use bad language around me. I don't like it. It offends me, you know. And so she's more outspoken. But I'm just sad that they have to be in an environment where they feel uncomfortable. And I've talked to my husband about, you know, um, this high school that I like for them that's um, Christian. And even though he, you know, got private Catholic schools all the way through, um, he's against it for our kids. He's like, they need to be in the world. And I'm like, well, they don't really have the tools to deal with some of the stuff they're coming up against already. Uh, my daughter in particular, who's 11, has had to deal with this boy at school that's making sexual gestures and drawing things on her artwork, you know, genitalia and stuff like that. I mean, she's 11 years old. Have you so been anyway, to the principal yet? Oh, yeah. They, they, the kid's been moved to a different class now. But he's still on her bus. He just sits in a different section. Mm. 
But um, yeah, he got in trouble for it, and they finally just told him like, leave her alone. Like you know, they moved him out of her class. So um, my husband though, um, it was funny because my in-laws then were with me and my husband, and they were all three against me going sending her to a private school. And I said, well, who got to choose? Mark and his brother going to a private school, and Mark says, oh, his, the, his mom did. It was up to her. I go, well, then I guess we've solved the discussion. Then it's up to me. <laughs> so we've got to share the story that I was telling you guys we we're going to share. And it has to do with this honor student who's looked out for this uh, autistic boy. And the friendship started in grade school. Second grade. And I wanted to share it because they're still friends in high school. It's really a beautiful story. Adam Potter is anxious. It's been five hours since the Stillwater High School junior has last seen his best friend. Trey. The last part of class. Trey Cruzy is busy earning his 4.0 grade point average. But he'll be by soon. Adam can count on it. We moved here from Nevada in, when Adam was in second grade. One day I was approached by a woman in a store and she had said, have you seen the relationship between Adam and Trey at Stonebridge? At Stonebridge Elementary, Trey and Adam were instantly drawn to each other. I was very skeptical at first. Adam never had a friend at his old school. It's not easy to form a relationship with a child with autism. But Trey just seemed to know how. Adam would sometimes have meltdowns in middle school. Sometimes they would have a hard day. And when we heard that, we would find Trey and we'd page Trey Cruzy and he would grab his head just kind of, just it was comforting almost for, for Adam. And Adam would very, you just see him just visibly calm down. His whole body would relax and not be so tense. Still, Andrew Jurek, the boy's sixth grade teacher, New middle and high school would challenge the friendship. <laughs> Adam would be spending more time in special education, while Trey pursued advanced classes. We've had many, many people come into Adam's life, and then all of a sudden, they never come back. There you go, no peeking. But not Trey. Is it an elephant? No. <laughs> the captain of the Stillwater High School wrestling team, with three trips to state. Get up field. The member of the football team. Go and the National Honor Society. Two, one, two. Also still captains, Your turn. Team Adam. You know what a high hoof is? Right. It's like a high five. <laughs> Adam's mom Four. compares autism to being lost in a strange, far off land. Every day he's trying to navigate this foreign language and trying to figure out what we really mean. And, you know, he looks up and you know he sees Trey, and Trey is that bright light that reminds him like everything's gonna be okay. It was Trey who signaled to the other kids that Adam should be their friend too. Can't hurt when you're friends with the most popular yeah. kid in, in the class. Trey, who still holds his hand, and recently took it upon himself to buy a ticket to Adam's dance recital. Driven a half hour each way, sat through a two and a half, three hour performance to see my son perform for five minutes because he knew how much it meant to Adam to be there. And it's Trey who takes the same routes through school each day so Adam can ease his anxiety when he finds him. Hi Adam. Hey Trey. I'm good, how are you? When Trey is absent from school, that's when Adam is at his saddest. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> that's it. And he's happy for the rest of the day. Good one. Many have asked, and we, near the end of our visit, couldn't help but ask too. There you go. What do you get out of it? Um, just a friend. We tried to probe deeper, but for Trey, 
There's simply little more to say. Just because I like him. Elementary. And then some. Come on. That's sweet. And if you saw them together, I mean, the fact that they would page him when um, Adam was upset and that Trey could calm him just by, you know, holding his head, that it would calm him down. And for a, a senior, you know, like most popular boy in school, to, th- to th- spend three and a half hours in an evening to watch five minutes of like a special ed type dance recital. Yeah. You know, to get there, stay for the whole recital. And they, I mean, that is a special friendship. That is a... That's in, those sweet. are neat kids. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's All right. Hey, if you want to reach out to any of the good news gals, Michelle's in real estate. Monique and Cindy are in the beauty industry. Cindy's got her new jewelry line going. Our friend Beatrice Bruno, drill sergeant of life, driving cross country, stopping at all of these military bases. If you want to reach out to any of the good news gals or myself, go to AngieAustinRadio.com. AngieAustinRadio.com. You can contact us there. We'll be right back. Good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. All right, I have Melissa. She's an ambassador with ARC. You know I love ARC. I get great deals there, but the money goes back to the community and helps so many people. Melissa, tell me about ARC. ARC is just an amazing foundation who helps people with intellectual disabilities, and it's just amazing. I love working there. I've worked there for almost five years. Well, and I feel like there's a family environment there. Now, when I shop at ARC, we always say shopping with a purpose. So let's say I spend $10 at ARC, but how does it help other people? When you buy stuff at the ARC, it helps people with intellectual disabilities. It helps the community. I like working at the ARC thrift store. It's really fun. So well, I think you have such a fantastic personality. I think one of the best things about ARC are the ambassadors like yourself because I think you guys are the heart of the organization. And I find so much positivity and encouragement. And I want ARC to come to my house with a truck. What do I call? You call 303-238-JANE. Again, the number is 303-238-JANE. The website is arcthrift.org. Again, it's arcthrift.org. You rock, Melissa. Thank you for coming in to talk to me about art. YMCA of the Rockies is the place to take your family. It's like a destination vacation in your own backyard. This year at SS Park Center, we'll be hosting family snowshoe hikes, backcountry ski meetups, outdoor winter survival trainings, winter ecology hikes, and much more. We'll have guest speakers, excursions for every level of experience, and demos by popular mountaineering equipment brands. Visit ymcarockies.org for more information. That's ymcarockies.org. O-R-G. Angie Austin here. You know, I've got a great interview for you. If you need a job or if maybe you want to move the kid out of the basement, far too many people are stuck in a nowhere position in the wrong environment working for a boss they hate. Well, that's on the back cover of the book. And I'm thinking, yeah, and a lot of people just don't know how to land a better job. You don't want to stay in a job that you don't like. And you don't want your kids after college to stay living in your basement. So the author of Lose the uh, Resume, Land the Job, Almost Everyone Gets It Wrong. This is How You Get It Right. Gary Burnison is joining us. Welcome, Gary. Hey, thank you. So how do we get it right? Because everyone has to do, you know, job interviews and everyone wants to get the job, to get the offer. So how do we get that, uh, you know, job offer? Well, uh, I, I kind of agree with you. The first thing is take your college grads, you know, the son or daughter, and, and take the basement room and put it out for rent on Airbnb. I mean, that's kind of the best way. I Look, uh, you know, people, 
they they put they think 90% of the deal is the resume and it's not. And so what happens is they sit there and they try to come up with the perfect resume. They agonize over a verb or adjective. They think they're Hemingway. They get so frustrated that they just give up after three hours. And so, yes, you do need a resume. That's for sure. But don't forget the other 90%. And so for me, it starts with purpose and happiness. So I sit there and, you know, and, and say, look, do, do an honest self-assessment, even if you're coming out of college. I mean, you know, what, what is it that gets me, you know, that gets me going, that gets me up without the alarm clock? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And from that, actually target cities and industries and companies that interest you based on that purpose and based on happiness. And then what you've got to do is get that warm introduction into the company. So you've got to do the whole six degrees of separation thing. So I start with purpose, and then you're going to you know, target where you want to work, and then you've got to do the networking. Networking is a contact sport. But look, you want to get that warm introduction into a company. You don't want to just blindly send out resumes because if that's all you're doing, you just will go down and buy a lottery ticket. Now, how do you get that warm introduction? So you find the, you know, you find the companies that really appeal to you in, in you know, where you live. And, and you say, okay, um, you know, you got to go online and offline. You know, who's the leadership team? Who's on the board of directors? Who works there? Go on LinkedIn. Uh, Google the company. And you want to find those connectivity points. You want to find somebody that, oh, they went to this college. Well, uh, my cousin's friend went to that college, and so you've got to do, it's hard work. You've got to do that detective work of kind of triangulating to find somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that maybe worked there. And yes, that takes hard work, but it's a much better way to go than just sitting on your couch in your PJs, you know, blindly sending out resumes. And isn't it amazing how that warm introduction when someone says, hey, you know, I've got somebody I want you to consider for a job, how much more that, how much wider that opens the door? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's, I just can't even, you know, look, I've been in this for, for you know, over three decades. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, that, that validation is gold. It's absolutely golden. And so rather than trying to create this, this incredible document that nobody, by the way, nobody's going to read anyway. You know, the average, <laughs> the average person takes less than 20 seconds. You know, when you're going in for an interview, guess what? They haven't probably read your resume. Wow. So, so you know, it's a joke. And, and I'm not saying not to do it. You have to do it. But, man, focus on the other nine-tenths of the game, right? That's only a tenth of the game. I like that you talk about, uh, you know, I went onto Amazon, I was reading the reviews and about your background, and I like the simple um, ACT, the need to act, uh, and you talk about being authentic and making that connection uh, or warm connection, uh, and then a taste of who you are. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think the uh, being authentic, not to the point of saying, as my husband has a startup and recently interviewed someone, and they said that... Uh, the reason they left jobs so quickly is because they like work-life uh, balance. He's like, look, if I want to like go to yoga in the middle of the day or like get a latte, then I want to like go get a latte. I don't mean be that authentic, but you know, be yourself to 90% of that degree. Yeah. Well, I look at, let me tell you the truth. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a negative correlation between work-life balance and career success. I mean, there's, there's nothing for free. 
you know, that's for sure. You got to you got to work for it. Um, but you're you're right. So the ACT, you know, what one step is okay. You got to get to the door. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing is okay. You've got an interview. So how do I get through the door? And the interview is kind of like this cross between a root canal and Disneyland, right? You don't know. <laughs> I love that. Right? And you're so, you know, you're like freaked out. What questions are they going to ask? How am I dressed? You know, all those things go through your head. And you've got you've to step back from that and say, what are you really trying to do? Well, you know, you're trying to make a connection. Because remember, they're going to have spent less than 20 seconds reading your resume. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, they're going to make a judgment on you in the first seven seconds. So, so you have to, you know, focus on ACT, being authentic, making that connection and giving the interviewer a taste of who you are, not what you've done. Um, though, you know, and, and just put it in the context of a conversation of being a guest in somebody's house for the first time. Yeah, I like that. I, I, li- I like the uh, combination of uh, Disneyland and the Root Canal, too, because, you know, one does sound really great, and the other we just, you know, have to put up with. Or you talk about, as well, this is was interesting to me, and it kind of caught me off guard. You talked about recent graduates looking at potential jobs as a 12- to 18-month opportunity as maybe a step to like stepping stones leading to their dream destination. I've never heard that described before. And when people talk about millennials in a negative connotation, they talk about how they skip from job to job to job. But you're saying they can be stepping stones. Oh, absolutely. Look, that's the new normal. I mean, it used to be, look, I'm a baby boomer and I've got five kids, um, mostly millennials. I mean, it used to be that if you, you know, if, if you work for a lot of companies, you were called a what? You were called a job hopper. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's the opposite. Now if you've worked at a company for 10 years, um, we start to wonder, wow, are they stale? So, so forget this millennial thing or baby boomer thing. It's just the reality of the world today. It moves very, very fast. So, so there's an expectation that you are going to be quite mobile and, and you are going to work for different companies. That's kind of the new normal. So, you know, if you're starting out out of college, look, you're not trying to find the destination day one. Man, this, this is a journey. And, and the number one predictor, what we found at Corn Ferry, the number one predictor of success is learning agility. So, in other words, knowing what to do when you don't know what to do, which is good old-fashioned curiosity. And, and so you want to, the most important thing is you want to be learning and growing. So, so don't, make, you know, don't have the, the fantasy that this is going to be your dream job. Have the reality that this is going to be 18 months, and I'm going to use this and continue to parlay. I'm going to parlay this into something else. Well, I like it. Chapter three, that was my favorite chapter. I was going to ask you about the be a learn it all. You know, when I spent 10 years at NBC in Los Angeles, I started ripping scripts for 10 bucks an hour. And when I left, I was a weather woman on air. Well, that normally doesn't happen in the number two market. So I, what I did, I guess, is I job hopped within the company rather than going to different companies. But that being a learn it all, I think a lot of us think that um, the old school way of thinking was that if you were in a job for a long period of time, that earned you the opportunity to be promoted. But that's not the case. You have to learn the next job. You have to, as you put it in chapter three, be a learn it all. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, there was the kind of, you know, the 
the the Peter principle, right? Where you got you know, years ago, you got promoted beyond your competence. Well, now there's the Paul principle, and it just is. Hey, you know, the world is changing so fast. Uh, if you don't learn, you're going to be passed by. So that's exactly right. And you can job hop within the same company. You don't have to look outside. And and my first advice is if you hate your boss. You know, uh, don't necessarily assume the grass is greener. Look within the organization, depending on how big it is. Mm-hmm. But look within the company itself for other opportunities. I love that. Love the book. Uh, lose the resume, land the job. Gary, where do we go for more info? Uh, you can loseresume.com or Amazon. Loseresume.com, and I'm on Amazon right now. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. See you later. Author, speaker, movie maker, and my mentor, Jim Stovall, has written almost 40 books now. Boy, Jim, when we started talking, I think you're almost up to 30. I can't believe how fast you write these books. Welcome. Hey, it is always great to be back with you. All right. We're talking about your uh, uh, Winner's Wisdom column, and uh, the title this week is Using and Abusing Power. So what are you going to teach us? Well, you know, a lot of our life is... um about getting power. It's, uh, you know, getting a new job, a better position, more control of our lives, more money means more power, more success. And then we have to use that power wisely. And uh, my great friend and colleague, Colin Powell, said one of the most important aspects of power is restraint. Nothing is respected more than a person with power who also has restraint. And, uh, you know, I think that's the important thing. And one of the, you know, things our country was lacking in the last several years was uh, probably the will to use our power. We were perceived as weak in some places because, um, you know, frankly, people didn't think we would use our power. We would say things like, uh, don't cross that line, and then you cross the line, and then, well, but don't cross this line. And then uh, if you cross that line, we're going to issue a stern warning letter or something. And, you know, you know, for power to be uh, effective, Angie, you've got to have that balance between I will use it if I have to, but I hope to never have to use this power. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I, my dad explains it to my son, like, because uh, he's a martial artist, my dad, uh, he's been doing Tai Chi yeah. for years, and he's uh, one of the highest degree black belts in Judo. And he explains that you you want to solve your problems in a soft manner and use your words uh, in a conciliatory, conciliatory manner, uh, but you want to be prepared if you have to use your power, uh, but you hold it back until it's necessary. Uh, but again, until it's necessary. And I think that um, maybe there was a feeling that when, with the past administration, uh, we conceded a lot. And there was a political correctness in our country, which uh, leads to giving in, whether it be not speaking about our political beliefs, particularly if we're conservative because of the backlash or whatever it may be. Uh, but I think there has been a fear of using power. So you mentioned Colin Powell. Like, what? H- how do we properly you know, use power? How do we use it in a way? Because I think great leaders aren't the ones that are just like just rip your head off like bosses, right? And so many people rise to that pinnacle because, well, well, they're tough. They're a tough leader. Well, the best leaders I've had weren't the jerks, but a lot of jerks make it to the top of the pile. 
And the best bosses I've had have um, led with kind of a a soft hand. I I don't know if I'm explaining that properly, but have led um, in a manner which really makes you feel part of a team and where they respect your opinion and they try to work as a group rather than just like, I'm telling you what to do and shut up. I had one boss that actually was told by everybody within the organization that he would listen to that they did not like the new logo, the new uh, theme for our um, station. And he told one guy, uh, keep your opinion to yourself. Now shut up and make that, you know, and do your, do your job. And it was a disaster. It basically meant that our, our station was um, was called like a something about a number two. Well, you know what little kids refer to a right. number two as. So that's what it referred, you know, it was like our station was going down the toilet bowl, but he wouldn't listen to anyone. And it ended, we ended up being the laughing stock of the city. And if everyone tells you you work with that your idea is bad as a boss, I think you should really listen a little. Yeah, I mean, people... You know, you don't have to change your opinion. You, you're still the boss. But uh, what I want my people when I go to work every day, I want them to know my door is open. We welcome your opinion and you will be heard. And then, you know, then we have to make a decision. And whenever possible, I try to explain the decision. And uh, sometimes it uh, involves your advice. Sometimes it doesn't. But at least you know you're heard. I think Teddy Roosevelt said it best about power. You walk softly but carry a big stick. Oh, yeah, I and, love that. That's, and you, yeah, that's right. You know, I remember that. And you, absolutely. And your word has to be good. I mean, don't tell your kids, uh, hey, hey, if you do that, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, then you have to do it. You, right. you have to follow through. So you want to be very measured as you do that. And when you tell your enemies or anybody else, you cross that line, we will be forced to act. Well, be careful those statements because, you know, if you're going to maintain your power, you have to uphold those. You, your word has to be reliable and dependable, and the people around you need to know that. But the most powerful people ever often don't use their power. They don't have to explain explain their powerful. They don't have to flex their muscles. Everybody knows they've got the power and uh, you know, they use it judiciously and we're all on the same team. And I you know, I think that's what we're really going for. And we all have power. All of us, you know, everybody within the sound of my voice right now, we have power over somebody. And we need to use it properly and use it well for the common good. Yeah, and I think that you leave a lasting impact on the world, your family, your coworkers, in how you uh, how you wield that power. And I love it in your article. You're talking about great power comes with great responsibility. And as a boss, you have a uh, a tremendous opportunity to impact people in a positive manner. I would love to work for you. I mean, I can I I can imagine how uh, you know. I'll, I'll bet you've had employees a long time, by the way, haven't you? Yeah, no one ever leaves, and I'm very grateful for that. We're more of a family. You know, after I was selected Entrepreneur of the Year, uh, the Wall Street Journal sent a guy to shadow me at the office for a week. And I don't know if he intended it so, but I took it as a great compliment. He said, you know, Jim, if I didn't know because I knew it before I came here, I would have never known you were in charge. And I said, well, I I think that is a great compliment. I mean, there's no one in my building in the offices or in the studios that I could do their job. I don't know how to do their job. So, you know, every day I go around and I ask them, how's it going? What can I do to help you? What can I, what do you need today? How can I help you? Well, I think that's that's, that's biblical, that servant leadership. I mean, who doesn't want to work for someone that is in the trenches with you or feels like uh, you're valuable, you're just as valuable as they are, you know, as a boss. So I love that, Jim. I so enjoy, uh, you know, working with you and having you in the program. It's a real blessing to me. And uh, I I also hope you listening, uh, that it's a blessing to you as well. How do we find you, Jim? 
Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. Walk softly and carry a big stick, just like Teddy Roosevelt and Jim Stovall. Thanks, Thank Jim. you. <laughs> All right, Angie Austin here along with Adam. Adam is an ambassador with ARC, and when you shop at ARC, it helps the ambassadors. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. ARC is a tremendous benefit to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there's a Saturday sale. Most items half off. If I'm a senior, 55 and over, on Tuesdays, most items are half off. How do we find out about that? ARCthrift.org. How about if I want to donate? Where do I donate? 303-238-JANE. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. Uh, yep, absolutely. Uh, a small, big, medium. Yes, they'll bring ma'am. the truck right on over. What's yes, the ma'am. number? 303-238-JANE. Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303-238-JANE. Yes, 303-238-JANE. ARCthrift.org. Does uh, ARC make you feel special? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought so. The ARC special. ARCthrift.org. As are you, ma'am. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for ARC? I love... God's Glory Boxes were started to help spread the glory of God, support Christian artists, and feed the hungry. At God's Glory Boxes, they get things from artists worldwide who share their love of God through their art, like paintings, jewelry, t-shirts, and pillowcases. Here's how it works. Go to the website godsglorybox.com. Choose a one-month, three-month, six-month, or 12-month subscription. Use the promo code GOODNEWS5 for $5 off a one-month subscription or GOODNEWS10 for $10 off a longer subscription. You can get God's Glory Boxes for yourself or as a gift, cancel whenever you want, and the best part is that for each box sold, God's Glory Boxes will donate five meals to hungry people in the community. Help spread God's glory today by starting your subscription at godsglorybox.com. And remember to use the promo codes GOODNEWS5 or GOODNEWS10 to take advantage of your special Good News discount. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to The Good News. If you like The Good News program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com AngieAustinRadio.com Just click on Contact Me. I would would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Angie Austin here in the aftermath of disasters, for instance, hurricanes like Florence and Michael, and for instance, the devastating wildfires this summer in California, you might be wondering if there's more that couldn't be done to save lives in the face of natural disasters. What if new technologies like help with cell phones in the aftermath of a disaster? Uh, What if new technologies and the developers who create them could help out? Well, they can. Joining us in this sponsored interview is Dr. Angel Diaz, Vice President of Developer Technology and Open Source and Advocacy with IBM. Welcome, Dr. Diaz. Hi, thank you for having me. All right, Dr. Diaz, tell us about the Code Initiative. Yeah, you know, it's 
it's it's it's really unfortunate. You know, the, since the, two, the year 2000, natural disasters have impacted over 2.5 billion people, and the rate and pace of natural disasters is not stopping. And you can't prevent them, but you can certainly uh, help us as a society better prepare and recover. Uh, and that's kind of what fueled us uh, to think about, you know, what if we could harness the power of these uh, 22 million or so developers in the world, right? People who write software, who use code, uh, and harness that power for good. You know, focus people to kind of use their energies and think about how software can actually make a difference in the preparation for, for natural disasters. And that led us to kind of launch a campaign. Uh, in partnership with uh, the United Nations, the Red Cross, and, and upwards of uh, close to 80 organizations at this point. Uh, and, and the name of this campaign is Call for Code. Now, what does IBM hope to accomplish through this collaboration? Yeah, well, it's a five-year initiative. In fact, uh, we launched it in, uh, in May 24th. Today, we've had uh, over 100,000 developers across 156 countries build literally thousands of applications. And uh, in fact, just this past Monday, on October 29th, uh, we uh, announced the winner of this challenge, of this grand challenge uh, uh, in San Francisco. Uh, uh, and, uh, and what's really neat about this is that, the, uh, the first of all, the first 10 projects will live on in, 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 a, in, a, in a community called Open Source, where other developers can continue the idea. But the first couple winners will actually be deployed for real. In, 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 a, uh, in, in, in a disaster area to help, uh, help us better prepare and recover. Uh, the winning solution obviously gets uh, $200,000, but, but, but the opportunity to kind of, you know, deploy this for real is what really makes us very excited and pushes the art of the possible when it comes to using software to help us better, better prepare for, for natural disasters. I understand, Dr. Diaz, that your own family was affected during Hurricane Maria? Yeah, yeah, I'm from Puerto Rico. Uh, my parents live uh, live in Puerto Rico. In fact, uh, you know, this is it was one of the things that was kind of uh, you know really driving us uh, to to try to, to try to to, to launch this, this this contest in such a way. Uh, it's, it was real difficult. You can imagine, you know, uh, you wake up and you can't communicate with your family for, for weeks. Um, you know, uh, it's still very difficult. Uh, the recovery of Trishy comes in and out all the time. And uh, and look, software, uh, you know, could make a difference. Uh, in, in preparing everything from simple ideas like logistics, you know, where I place food and water prior to hurricanes to dynamically, uh, you know, managing, uh, you know, uh, uh, first responders during the event. In fact, the project that won this year's call for code was called Project Owl. And it actually does exactly that. You know, you mentioned cell phone towers early on, you know. It's actually, they have these notions, what they call, they call them cluster ducts that they drop, you can drop after a storm that creates an ad hoc network. So people on their cell phones can just get connectivity and then automatically communicate with each other and also the agencies that help them. And that way you can better prioritize where to sell medical, where to send medical units, where to send supplies and so forth. It's a great solution and we're super excited about uh, deploying it. All right, where do we go for more info? Yes, absolutely. Callforco.org is, is the best place to go. And, and, uh, and, and this is, a, as I said, a five-year initiative. So anybody can get engaged. You actually don't even have to be a, a developer. Some of the best teams are multidisciplinary. People who are passionate about this. Uh, you know, understanding, you know, what are the solutions that really make sense to help with disasters, you know, really helps us as, as computer scientists understand how to use our, our technology. So it's, it's a great initiative, and I encourage you all to 
please, uh, to please participate and become part of it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Diaz, and thank you for all you do to help others. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.